You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast for Pride of Detroit, the SB Nation website for all things Detroit Lions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor over there at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Matthews, at Ryan underscore POD. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, I would say that I'm doing well, but I'm not doing nearly as festive as our, as our uh, guest tonight. Yes, and we'll get to him in a second. Um, this is our preview podcast where we normally uh, preview the upcoming matchup between the Lions and their next opponent. But seeing as the Lions are four and seven, seeing as everything has already been blown up, it's time to preview the offseason. And so we are going to preview the offseason first with our favorite head coaching candidate. Uh, we, we talked about it on our last podcast. We all we were all in agreement that Robert Sala is currently at the top of our list. So we wanted to get a Sala expert. And so we have with us uh, Matt Mayoko of the uh, NBC Sports Bay Area. He's been a 49ers beat writer for 26 years. Am I getting that right? I believe you are, Jeremy. That's incredible. He's at Mayoko. That's M-A-I-O-C-C-O-N-B-C-S on Twitter. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem at all. And, I, you know, I think you are... Uh, you can join that club that I think Richard Sherman, he might actually be the president of the <laughs> Robert Soloff fan club and let's get him a head coaching job uh, thing. So maybe you and you and Richard Sherman can get together and, and uh, fly the, fly the Salah flag. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll have to get him on the show at some point and maybe you can also help us out with that. But for now, uh, as someone who's obviously covered the, the team as long as you can, you have, uh, I, I think you'll definitely do for, for the moment. So, Let's just start with a really simple question. What kind of person is Robert Sala? Because I think personality is something high on, on the Lions fans' you know, wish list, given everything that's happened. Yeah, I, I just I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about him. You know, he's, he's a really solid guy. Um, you know, he has a, a big family. You know, he and his wife have six kids. Uh, you know, as you probably well know, he grew up in Dearborn. I uh, grew up a, a Lions fan, has always been kind of in tune with the program there. Um, he, he's a very enthusiastic guy. Um, you know, he, he's not necessarily a great quote. Uh, he's not going to throw people under the bus. He, he's, you know, from my standpoint, it's probably been, you know, a little bit to a fault where, you know, he will he'll pump guys up even when you know that maybe they don't deserve to be pumped <laughs> up a little bit. But um, I, I think w- what's what will help him when he and I'm assuming he will get a head coaching job at some point, whether in, in your town or somewhere else, I, I think he'll. I think he'll have a good time or a, a, a 
I think he'll do a good job of putting together a staff too, because he is such a, a, a good guy, a likable guy. You know, he's, he's not going to do anything stupid. He's going to be well-prepared, a uh, smart guy. So, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. You know, I'm I'm, I'm in the uh, I, I take the position that that he's certainly when you see the list of candidates on a yearly basis um, this year of all years, when you look at where the 49ers are, you know, let's face it, you know, what got Robert Sala on everybody's radar was the really good defense they had last year and the success they had last year. And he was a finalist for the Cleveland Browns job. But I think in a lot of ways, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a lot of ways, he's done a better job this year because, you know, he it's, it's been more about massaging the, you know, the spirit of the team and, and keeping them focused and keeping them without making excuses. And, you know, when they have every reason, uh, to make a lot of excuses because they've lost so many players and they continually lose players, but he has them playing ex- exceptionally hard and the defense is still the strength of the team. Well, it's great that you mentioned that Matt, cause I think it's a good spring springboard for the question that I wanted to ask you. And, you know, you talk about the um, you know, the enthusiastic personality that he is the kind of fiery guy that he is that we see on the sidelines during game day. A lot of Lions fans are not too in tune with maybe who he is in practice. So, like, what kind of what kind of coaches Salah in practice does he does he kind of carry that same kind of enthusiastic personality every single day of the week he checks into the building, or does he turn it up and turn it down? No, no, he, he is um, he's a he's a hands on coach. You know, he's always talking to his his players. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Richard Sherman earlier. I mean, there are times, you know, I see it all the time, of course, you know, now that uh, the season started and, uh, you know, I don't watch them practice anymore. But, you know, like say in training camp, you know, whenever it's a special teams session, you know, he's talking to Richard Sherman and they're, you know, they're engaged in conversations. So he listens to, you know, his his players. He he takes input from them. Um you know, probably one of the more impressive things, and we've all seen it. I and mean, I was just thinking about this the other day, is that you, know, you, you always see, you know, when the 49ers, when, when they've been in bad spells, and I've, I've covered a few of those years where they just simply have not been good. You always see, you know, guys running open way down the field and one player, you know, throws his hands up, you know, and looks at another player and, you know, it's like that blame game, right. You know, that where you know, you aren't supposed to do that. You know, I, that, and I'm the closest guy to this play. I'm going to be the one that people think screwed up. Well, you don't see that with the 49ers. And a lot of it is because he, he has a really good grasp, I think of what the guys can do. And he doesn't want to put them in positions where, it sets them up to fail, you know, so you don't see those mental breakdowns from the 49ers very often. And, you know, I think that something that he's thought about or he's kind of wrestled with in the past is, I mean, it's been a pretty basic defense, you know, the Seattle defense that, that he's implemented here is a pretty basic defense and they, they don't do a whole lot of things, but, you know, this year they they have started doing stuff more. I think he kind of basically uh, 
you know, gives them enough, uh, has them well prepared, but gives them enough where he's confident and, and more importantly, they're confident that he's not giving them too much and they can play fast. You know, his thing is, you know, he, he talks about extreme violence. You know, he wants his guys to play violently. You know, it's, it's kind of when he first started saying that, I was like, geez, you know, yeah, I don't know about extreme violence. You know, that's not exactly a great, uh, you know, PC term to be using <laughs> in, in this day and age. But, yeah. you know, his guys play hard and they play hard for him and they buy in. And, and that's why you hear a guy like Richard Sherman. And I'm sure if I talk to, you know, how many ever guys are on the, the defensive unit, you know, 26, 27 guys, how many ever uh, are on that roster? I just, I don't think, and, and even if you gave them truth serum and said, you can tell me, I won't tell anybody else, I would guarantee you that all those guys would speak highly of him and and support him and think that he should be a head coach. Well, you just kind of touched on it there a little bit, um, the whole play, fast play, play violent, um, but in terms of maybe more schematically, what what would you describe Salah's kind of defensive philosophy to be? Yeah, I mean, it is the the Seattle scheme, and it, it's it's not a whole lot of smoke and mirrors. It's you know, it's been cover three. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily blitz a whole lot. Now you need players to do that because the 49ers defense in 2017 and 2018 looked a whole lot different than it did in 2019. So you know, you, you gotta. You know, I don't know who would come in as the as the um, general manager there, but I mean, it could be Adam Peters, you know, from the 49ers. It could be someone over with Seattle. It could be somebody like uh, uh, you know Scott Fitterer or uh, Trent Kirshner. You know, th- those would probably be my guesses. I, I I mean, if 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 Detroit does this the right way, they're not going to be pairing two guys who don't know each other. You know, so my, I mean, Robert Sala is an easy guy to get along with, but I'm sure as a head coach, you know, you want to, you, you want to have your GM see eye to eye with you and know exactly what you're looking for. And sometimes that kind of takes a GM who's going to say, well, I want this guy because he's, he's the better player in my opinion. But, you know, this guy might be a little bit less of a player, but he certainly fits better what they're trying to do schematically. So that's the kind of the, the tug of war or that game that has to be played. But you, you need to get a GM and a head coach who are on the same page. Um, so with, with Saul, what, what are the one of the interesting things he did this last year was, I think, you know, as as he built the system over several years and everybody's on the same page. Now this year he's kind of expanding more on it. And, you know, this is this year for the first time. And I don't ever recall in my time covering the the team that a defensive coordinator has done this. And I don't know that it's very widespread around the NFL, but he's been playing the corners uh, field and boundary. Are you guys familiar with that? Those terms? Um, not necessarily. Yeah. Going to, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's more of a, a college thing and, and because of the hash marks. And I think probably because a lot of times in college, you're dealing with, you know, one cornerback who might be an NFL caliber cornerback and the other one who's not. But what you do is you basically, depending on where the ball is on the hash marks, there's going to be a wide side of the field and a, and a shallow or a, uh, you know, less 
wide side of the field and you put your better cover guy on the wide side of the field and basically giving him more responsibility, more territory to, to cover, more, in essence, more routes to cover. And then you use the other cornerback on the side of the field where uh, the boundary is, where you basically have a defender helping you, meaning the sideline. So he's done a lot of that this year. And it, it's really seemed to, to work for this team. So that there would be an example of someone who has his system, who knows what he wants, knows exactly what he wants with that defense and building on it on a yearly basis to, to give you different wrinkles. Uh, you know, they're, they're blitzing a little bit more. They kind of have to because they've lost a lot of the pass rush. And I mean, the crazy thing to me is, you know, you look at all the guys they've lost defensively, it's still a pretty good defense. You know, they're still, you know, it's still the strength of the team. And, you know, the Rams are not a bad team. Rams don't have a bad offense, but twice this season, including Sunday, they made them look extremely ordinary. So, you know, that that's part of it. Um, but I don't know, you know, there, there's part of being a head coach where, you know, is he going to be calling defenses? Is he going to be hands-on on defense? I would suspect he would be. And then the question would be, you know, what's the offensive side of the ball going to look like? Yep, those yeah. are all big questions to have. Go ahead, Ryan. All, all questions that we thought we had answered here in Detroit when uh, Matt Patricia was brought in, um, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, you, you bring up, uh, you know, a lot of interesting things. Um, and, and the first thing that I want to kind of um, – move over to is the one interesting thing you said is, you know, he he's probably doing his best job this year that he's done in his entire tenure because of him having to do less with more. No Nick Bosa, you know, DeForest Buckner has moved on dealing with so many different injuries. Now you, you take a look at the first two years that Salah was um, defensive coordinator in San Francisco and the 49ers defense wasn't quite there. Do you think it's just a matter of him implementing that system and getting the players to buy in and to understand the system? Or do you really think that, I mean, he's, he was just so privileged to have, you know, a defensive line last season that had Bosa and Armstead and Buckner and just this incredible pass rush where he didn't need to blitz and he could kind of sit back and he could play more of that cover three in that field and boundary that you mentioned. Well, I mean, I think Ryan, what I'm, what, what I'm saying is that he's done it both ways now, right? I yeah. mean, he, he had the talent. A lot of talent. I mean, that defensive line they had last year. Oh, it's I mean, all world, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. You know, on third downs, you have D Ford at one end, you have Nick Bose at the other, and rushing from the interior, you have Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. You don't have to do a whole lot. <laughs> um, and, and now this year, they've had to manufacture some things. And I and part of why. I said that this is even a better job is that, you know, there have been no excuses. You know, they, they could be, you know, the, the, the moment that, and, and Solomon Thomas, you know, he was, you know, he's not a number three overall pick, right? We all know that he was picked there in 2017, but he's, you know, he's a fine backup defensive lineman in a span of three plays in week two, Nick Bosa left the game with a torn ACL and Solomon Thomas left the game with a torn ACL. But, you know, I know that they probably take some time after the game and, and throw back a, a, 
a hard one and, and, and bemoan the fact that they've lost some players, but then they just roll up their sleeves and they get back to work the next day. And, and Sala's personality is such a positive personality that I don't think he had let, you know, those guys get down in the dumps. Um, so he, I, that's why I said that I think he's done probably an even better job is because from this team of all teams, you wouldn't expect them to be where they are, you know, in the, in the NFL, uh, you know, the, the rankings with total yards and, and whatnot. So, and the fact that they've done it and they've done it, you know, in a different way, I think they're mixing up their coverages a lot more than they have in the past. You know, like I said, they're blitzing more, um, you know, they, they've, they've had just a lot of new guys that they're shuttling in into the action. But I also think a big part of being, a head coach is just kind of managing the personalities and managing the the temperament of the team and, and being a person, you know, that I, you guys would know a lot more about it than me, but I, I look around the league and I see coaches that seem to have lost touch with the human element. And I almost kind of feel like, you know, Bill Belichick, as great as he is, I almost kind of think like his assistant coaches don't understand that, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, and, and, and from what I understand, you know, Belichick's not a bad guy to play for at all, but it's almost like they don't, it's almost like they think that the caricature of Belichick is the way right. you have to run an organization. And again, like, I, you guys would know a lot more about it than me, but from afar, it just seemed like Matt Patricia was not even, you know, he, he just didn't want to build relationships and get to know people on an individual basis. I could be wrong, but that, that was kind of my, my thought of it. And I can guarantee you, Robert Sala is the opposite of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what, that's what I was wondering. I was like, but, <laughs> but, but the clincher here is that night and day comparison. So that's, that's, yeah. that's music well, to our ears. Am I right about Patricia? For, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely got better at it. I think the first year was a really, really rough year in which he went in with all the wrong intentions, I think. And he did improve in the final couple of years, but there, there was still, I think some residual feeling from the people that were there in his first year, into year three. Um, we obviously saw it with a guy like Darius Slay, maybe even Kenny Galladay a little bit. Jeremy, you, you are who you are. You know, yeah. if you show, yeah. if you show your team exactly person in year one and year two, I don't care what you do in year three, you're still that guy. Yeah. And so here's the one thing that I've learned is every time, I, you know, every head coaching position I've ever had to cover, the team is always looking for the opposite right? You're always yeah. looking for the opposite. And, and sometimes it's, you know, in, in the case of Patricia, obviously a defensive minded head coach, the thought would be, we'll get an offensive coach who's a people person. Well, Salah is not an offensive coach. And we, I've actually spoken to him about this in the past is that, you know, he, just, he doesn't believe, and of course he's selling himself, but he doesn't believe that a defensive minded head coach, a guy with that defensive background, he doesn't believe that that's a detriment on the offensive side because he knows what the kind of offenses that give him trouble. Right. Now it's, now it's implementing, you know, getting the guy 
from the system and having a line of succession. And I think everywhere you look, I mean, look at the teams that have had success in the NFL, you know, sustained, prolonged success. I mean, do you even know who the offensive coordinators are? I can't even tell you who Pete Carroll's offensive coordinator is. <laughs> you know, and I never can. But I know one thing. They, they run a similar system, you know, every year. Doesn't matter who. They're always going to be good. And, you know, Belichick, I mean, you know, there is some time, obviously it's been Josh McDaniels for a long time, but you know, it's, it's like you have your system, you have your beliefs and you have a line of succession because I guarantee you one thing, if the Detroit lions are winning under Robert Sala, someone's going to hire his offensive coordinator. And then he would, I bet, I bet he's already thinking, I know he has a big binder of, information and, and he has the list of this is who I want to be my position coaches. And if I can't get him, here's number two, number three, number four, I guarantee you he already has a list of, geez, probably a dozen offensive coordinators. I'm just making that up, but I bet yeah. he does. I mean, you touched on so many things there that, that I'd like to expand more upon, but just, you know, kind of to recap the fact that he's been adaptable in this year is, is something that I think Lions fans are going to find very appealing considering the Lions have not been very adaptable with their defense and their current lack of talent. Um, the, the leadership obviously is huge. Um, we, we just, I mean, we just kind of covered it all. Matt Patricia, not a very good job at that. Have a guy like Salah is, is huge. The last thing I want to touch about before we go to our first break, break is the, the Detroit connection. Obviously, you mentioned you grew up in Dearborn. I think everyone in, in Lions land knows now that there's that local connection. Is that something that you hear him talk about a lot? Is that something that he brings up, um, whether it's his Lions fandom or, or, or his family back there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've I've definitely talked to him about his about his family, I and mean, that's a, the big part of him in that community. He grew up, um, you know. And I also know that uh, after the 2018 season, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting any changes to the coaching staff, but and I don't think he knew Chris Kosarek, <laughs> but knew of him because he followed the Lions. Yeah, and I think in watching Chris Kosarek's defensive line. I think he always felt like, man, that's somebody I want on my staff. And when he became available after the 2018 season, the 49ers weren't expected to make a change on their coaching staff, but they did to go get him. So he he has his, he definitely has his finger on the pulse of what's happening with the Detroit Lions and, and that area. And, you know, his family is still there. All right. That's Matt Mayoko. Uh, we're going to come right back talk more with Matt about Robert Sala. We're going to get into your questions. So if you're watching us live, be sure to throw some questions there in the chat and we will be right back on our preview podcast, the off season preview podcast. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back with First Bite, our now off-season preview podcast. We're here with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area to talk more about Robert Sala, our favorite Lions head coaching candidate. We're getting into your fan questions now. Um, a couple from Zach M. On, on Twitter. He first asked, to what extent did Sala build the staff in San Francisco, or was this more determined by Shanahan? No, I think the, the defensive coaching staff um, – I think Robert Sala had a, a lot of say in that, um, especially the, the comings and goings. You know, I think D'Amico Ryans uh, was Sala. Uh, that might be somebody that, that he would look to bring to whatever job uh, he gets. And I, and I think Kosarek. Uh, so, no, I, I think that, that I think Shanahan knows, right? I mean, Shanahan's a, an offensive coach. He, he knows you can't install what you want if you if you're not given, you know, the the right pieces. And but but I will say this too is that you know Sala was not he was not hired to become the defensive coordinator. You know, Kyle Shanahan hired him for his staff. Uh, Sala was let go in Jacksonville. Um, and Sala was hired by the 49ers, but then Kyle Shanahan went and looked at, geez, I mean, I think I was Wade Phillips, one of them. I don't know if he was, but well, Gus Bradley certainly was. Mm-hmm. There were a few other guys. Uh, Gus Bradley is the one that really comes to mind. And when he just, he wanted Sala on his staff. Sala went there knowing at the worst he was going to be the linebackers coach. And all along, he was telling Kyle, I'm your best bet for defensive coordinator. And what happened the first couple of years, I mean, there are a lot of questions early on about, you know, is Salah going to, is he going to remain the defensive coordinator? Is he going to be fired? Does Kyle Shanahan have to get somebody else? And Kyle Shanahan was steadfast in his, uh, commitment to Sala and, and, you know, people would say, well, you know, what do you see in him? Well, why do you keep him as the defensive coordinator? And he was like, because I know him, you know, I know how he prepares. I know the job he's doing, you know, us in the media, we're not privy to everything, but with Kyle Shanahan, you know, he, Kyle's pretty hard headed. If he didn't like the way the defense was being run, he would let the world know. And, you know, on the, those, game plan weeks, you know, the course of the week, you know, he knew exactly what was being installed for the defense. He bought in and it was just a matter of getting the the right players, you know, getting decent players. And that roster had to churn over. I mean, they had to, they had to bring in a lot of new guys on that defense. And I think Shanahan always felt like if, if we can get the players, Salah will coach them up and, 
you know, last year was the year that they got the players. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of coaching them up, we, we have a question from Sean at fall one N underscore one underscore. And he, he mentions, you know, he, he'd like to hear about how Salah has adjusted his scheme this year with so many injuries. And the, the one other thing I want to add to that question, Matt, is how important is Fred Warner to that 49ers defense? Yeah. Well, first off, Ryan, it's, it's Salah. It's not Salah. We got to get, right. get that right. Guy's going to be coach. You don't want to like anger him. <laughs> Day one. A little, it's a little trickier than Patricia, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sorry. I was uh, I was already planning to bust your chops about the pronunciation. <laughs> I, the part about Warner, I'll get to that. No, Fred Warner's. You know, he's a guy that. Um, you know he he's a smart guy. He, he it takes smart you know guys. If Fred Warner is like a CEO type, so he's going to want somebody you know, running the the middle linebacker position, the guy with the green dot on his helmet, he's going to want somebody there to take charge. So, um, you know, I don't know if that guy is there uh, with the Lions. You know, I don't know how much I don't, I haven't studied the, the, the Lions roster, but, you know, how much, uh, you know, basically what you, you have to do is kind of figure out what you have, what, who, which guys you can get rid of, which guys you can bring in. And it's not a one-year thing. You know, it's, it will take a couple of years to, to get it the way you want to do it because, you know, there, obviously there's just some contracts you can't get rid of, some players that you want you can't get, but maybe you can next year. So, I mean, it's a process, but, but certainly the, the middle linebacker position is, is, a, is a big one, as is, um, you know, the safety, the free safety position is a big one. Um, you know, they call that position the eraser. It's what Earl Thomas played with Seattle. It's what Jimmy Ward plays now. And the 49ers, uh, you know, have made a, you know, they made a commitment the last couple of years uh, to bring Jimmy Ward back and, and keep him around because, you know, they consider him a really good fit for what they're doing. And what was the first part of that, Ryan? Uh, well, the first part of the question was just, you know, what, uh, what has he been able to do with, uh, you know, adjusting his scheme. You talked about his yeah. adaptability, but specifically this year with so many injuries, um, has he, you, you said he's not much of a, not much of a coach who blitzes a whole lot, but has he, has he changed that a bit this year? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know the numbers, but I, I would suspect, you know, the, the blitz numbers are up. Um, you know, like I said, they're, they're disguising more stuff. They're not just cover three, you know, they're doing that boundary and field with the corners, so there, there are wrinkles, there are wrinkles, mm-hmm. but ultimately I think the, the, you know, his principles are to have everybody on the same page. You know, you can't have nine guys playing one way and two guys playing another way. You get, they all have to be on the same page, you know, take as much off their plate as possible and just allow them to go play fast and physical. Uh, I'm going to combine a couple questions here because we we talked a little bit about him potentially building a staff and and you mentioned he did that a little bit in in San Francisco. Um, I think a lot of people are interested in what he could bring offensively because you look at Kyle Shanahan's offense and think a lot of people are like yeah I'd love that. So do you think he, he has the capabilities of pulling you know a couple of people in chat say like a guy like Mike McDaniel Mike Lafleur? Um, do you think it's it's possible that he could potentially bring in a, a good staff to Detroit if if need be? I do. Yeah. I, and I think that, um, you know, now with the way 
the you know the NFL put in that rule. It used to be if a coach was under contract, even you know, a position coach under contract, the team had to, or I'm sorry, the team could block him from becoming a coordinator. That's different this year. And even coordinator and title who don't have coordinator responsibilities cannot be blocked. So I'll give you the one name that I would think would be his offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur. Uh, Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, is Robert Sala's best friend. Uh, they were in each other's wedding. They, um, they basically, well, they coached together at Central Michigan. Uh, they're really good friends. And I think Robert Sala brought LaFleur into the NFL. I think um, yeah, when from Sala was, Michigan days. Yeah. yeah, I think Sala was went to the uh, Houston Texans and LaFleur came in and then the whole Kyle Shanahan. Well, that's when Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, first met Matt LaFleur and then later Mike LaFleur came aboard. And so my guess is that Sala would have he would want to have Mike LaFleur as his offensive coordinator. And basically you'd have a San Francisco, you know, Northern Midwest, you know, you'd have, you'd have the, the 49. Well, it would be basically, you know, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks defense and the Kyle Shanahan offense. I'd take that. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in something like that coming to Detroit for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that you know it, I know Kyle Shanahan got a, a delivery dropped off at the house. <laughs> no worries, Dog, dogs are, are common are, guests we are, here. We're pet friendly podcast here. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's and then it's a matter of just the the line of succession, right? Like who who else could he bring? You know, generally some entry level coaches. I would think that. It would be obviously guys that he'd worked with in the past. And I, I think it would probably be a young, vibrant coaching staff, high energy. Uh, you know, it's so funny now that it used to be I'd go to the NFL scouting combine and you'd see all these crusty old coaches and, you know, and you know, same faces every year, just the weathered skin and everything else. And it even go, you know, for the personnel departments too. And now you see these like bookworm types, you know, young guys who, you know, look like they're fresh out of high school. And so, you know, it's kind of the new wave and, and Mike LaFleur, you know, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel kind of fit that mold. But uh, LaFleur, LaFleur is going to be a head coach in the NFL someday. Yeah, he's uh, he, he just kind of has that feel about him. He's a bright guy, and I think he's ready to call plays. So I think I'd be a little bit surprised if he's not the offensive coordinator wherever Robert Sala ends up. All right, I think we got a couple more questions before we head out. Um, at Finchy on Twitter asks, uh, basically – he just wants someone who's aggressive and not, as he says, conservative as hell. Obviously, you don't know. You probably can't know for sure. But, you know, if, if you know, the line, if he's a, he's a head coach, he's faced with a lot of fourth and, you know, everyone's obsessed with these like fourth and one situations. Is he the kind of guy that's going to line up and say, go for it every time? Or is he 
or you know, is he more of a conservative approach? Well, kind of guy? Um, he's pragmatic. You know, he's not mm-hmm. going to do anything stupid. But my guess is, as my dog is climbing up on my microphone here, <laughs> my guess is that he's also the kind of guy who what, what does he call it? He call it, he he says that sometimes he blacks out, meaning he gets so excited on the sideline and he's you know jumping around and doing stuff that he kind of almost loses, you know, control. Now, obviously that's not a great thing for a head coach in the NFL. Right. And, and obviously he's exaggerating, but I think that he probably would be the kind of guy that says, you guys want to go for it? Then, then let's go. You know, he's not going to do that every time, you know, fourth and six at the 50 yard line in the second quarter. He's not going to do that. But I, I think that he will he will create kind of a buy in and a, an accountability where he's going to give those guys more often than not. He's going to say, if you guys want to do it, do it. And then what happens then is, you know, there's that buy in that if if it fails, Robert will, I guarantee you, in the media sessions, he will take 100% of the blame for it. But meanwhile, the players will take 100% of the blame for it because they're the ones who wanted to do it. So I think that that's where like that personal relationship, uh, being a guy that guys want to play for, I think that's where that can really help him out. That's Mike Mayoko from the NBC Sports area. Uh, awesome job. Before we let you go, I have to ask one non-Sala question. Sure. Uh, as you are a Hall of Fame voter, we're coming up to Calvin Johnson's eligibility. Uh, a tough one. <laughs> Is Calvin Johnson a first balloter? I have to put your put your feet to the coals here. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I don't know where, honestly, I don't know where I'll go with that. We're, we're at, or I just voted for the final 15, which is the 15 guys who'll get in the room. Um, there's, there's a, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody cause I'm always surprised, but you know, when, when you, when I left that room last year, I kind of felt like it was either going to be John Lynch or uh, Steve Atwater and it was Atwater. So you know, you've heard maybe some voters talk about the queue, you know, how, you know, if a guy waits so long, you need to kind of get him to the front line before everybody passes him up. Um, it, that'll be, I, I will go in with a very open mind and I'm really interested to hear that conversation. I mean, there's no doubt that Calvin Johnson's a, a hall of famer, but you know, with, with the, the draft class as it's currently comprised, will I, will I personally come up with five guys who I think for this particular year should be in ahead of him? I can't answer that for sure, but I, I think it's, it's borderline. I, I can't tell you for sure I'm going to vote for him uh, in the, that final five, but at the same point, I, I'm not going to tell you that absolutely not. I, I think he's, you know, I, and I, I look at it from this way too, is that, you know, I'm looking at the linebackers, you know, if, if Patrick Willis makes it to the 15, I'll be talking about him. I mean, it's kind of these, you know, these supernova guys, you know, and Tony Baselli was a supernova, right? right. I mean, just really bright. Yep. Awesome. Right. Awesome for a short period of time, but awesome. Calvin Johnson, a little bit longer, 
but kind of in that same conversation. Patrick Willis, that same conversation. Four years, five years down the road, Luke Keekley, same conversation. So um, I think he'll get in. I don't know if it'll be this year. I know that's what I know. That's what your question was. <laughs> it's okay. You don't. Uh, you don't have to give me your ballot right now. But I'm not sure it's going to be this year. Got it. Got it. All right, Mike. Uh, Matt. Sorry. Uh, before we go, let me give you the, the kind of the floor to to tell everyone where they can find you, what sort of stuff that you can offer, and and maybe if you've got anything um, specifically Salah related that they could read. Yeah. Um, you know what? I if you probably do a Google search for 49ers Talk, that's my podcast, 49ers Talk. I work for NBC Sports Bay Area. You can read my stuff at NBCSportsBayArea.com. But if you do Google 49ers Talk, uh, just uh, type in you know, 49ers Talk Robert Sala and my podcast with him should should show up. Um, it was a couple of years ago now. Uh, kind of a get to know you kind of thing. And I mean, it's an interesting story. You know, he was kind of miserable in a wall street job um, and, you know, a banking type of job and, and just didn't, you know, wanted to follow his passion, his passion was football. And uh, you know, certainly he's happy. He went that direction. Uh, The 49ers are happy. He went that direction and it was, you know, maybe a year from now, the Detroit Lions will be happy. Again, that's Matt Mayoko at Mayoko NBC CS. Or I'm sorry, NBC S on Twitter. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, that's some great information. And and thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back on Sunday after the Lions Bears games to give you a full breakdown of that and talk about more about what's ahead for this Detroit Lions team. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today